0: Episode five of the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast is brought to you by State Farm. You never know what's going to happen during the NBA season or in life. Thankfully, with a State Farm agent on your team, you can be better prepared for the unknowns life throws your way. Look at Shaquille O'Neal, drafted by Orlando, goes to LA, goes to Miami, goes to Phoenix, goes to Cleveland, goes to Boston. Who would have guessed any of that? Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you prepare for unchartered territory, State Farm. Meanwhile, the Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car at home, everywhere you take your phone. The Assistant has been really helpful in recording this book of basketball podcast series. Very few people on the earth have seen more professional basketball games in person than my dad. When I want to ask him about a player he saw in person before I was able to join him, I can just say, Hey Google, call dad. A little help, hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. We're also brought to you by one of the world's last good websites, theringer.com, as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming up, J.A. Adande, my old ESPN colleague, is here to talk about Shaquille O'Neal and his place in the Hall of Fame Pantheon. My name is Bill Simmons. This is the Book of Basketball 2.0. (laughs) Shaq Cob is gonna undertake. <laughs> Larry she's at three quads playing that D. LeBron hatch him with that steel, and you yeah, already feel pass it to Luke yeah. He's gonna juplicate. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a book of basketball, ya. Yeah. It's a book of basketball, yeah. It's a book of
0: basketball, yeah. It's a book of basketball. Yeah. The Book of Basketball Pod Shaquille O'Neal. I graduated from college with a 3.04. Are you impressed? I think you did better than me. <laughs> and you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. I worked for our school newspaper, I announced games in our radio station, I wrote a weekly sports column. I spent way too much time hanging with friends, partying, procrastinating, creating memories. Could I have pushed myself for a 3.5? Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't change a thing. Guess who else wouldn't change a thing? Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq was a dominant NBA superstar, not the best. He was memorable, not the best. Unstoppable, not the best. He won three overpowering finals MVPs and just one regular season MVP. He won four rings, got swept out of the NBA playoffs a staggering six times. He became such a singular fantasy advantage that for two straight years, my fantasy league forced teams to pay a Shaq tax. This is actually true. If you picked him, you lost your sixth round pick. We had this rule. That happened. And yet his free throw struggles made him a legitimate crunch time liability and something we talked about every playoff series. He only took basketball seriously for one full season, 1999-2000, intermittently for the other 18. And yet his playoff performances from 2000 to 2002 rank among the all-time greatest. His per-game averages for the 2000 finals, 45 minutes a game, 38 points a game, 17 rebounds a game, 38% from the free throw line. That was Apex Shaq in a nutshell. We wrote him off multiple times as a superstar, a super duper star, a fading superstar, even a viable starting center. Every time he made us eat our words. He eventually played for six NBA teams. None of the other top 16 guys in my Hall of Fame pyramid played for more than two, except for Moses Malone. He started the player empowerment movement 14 years before LeBron, when he forged his way to the Lakers. Did he burn bridges in five of the six cities he played for? Yeah, he did that too. He was always savvier than anyone realized. Nobody made more money playing basketball. Did more things outside of basketball, rap albums, movies, terrible movies, celebrity roasts. I know you love the celebrity roasts. We kept hearing he was polarized behind the scenes. He was frequently out of shape. He was jealous of teammates, happy to undermine coaches, whatever. Mostly we look the other way because we like Shaq. Um, I always thought he was a mini casualty of the 1990s, the too much, too fast, too soon era. He received far too much wealth, attention, accolades, for won a damn thing. Never had a rival superstar center to keep pushing him in his prime the way Wilt had Russell, hit my water bottle, or Hakeem had Robinson. He coasted on his immense physical advantages sometimes. And if you wanted to be harsh you could call him the least competitive superstar ever. If you wanted to be harsh. Oof. If you want to be harsh. harsh. Someone who enjoyed winning, but wasn't destroyed by losing. Someone who kept everything in its proper perspective. He wasn't homicidally competitive like Jordan or Russell. Here's the question. Is that a bad thing? Maybe, maybe not. Shaq made us laugh more than any superstar except Barkley. He came up with clever nicknames like Shakapoko. That was his (laughs) Miami estate, called a Chacapoco. Came up with stupendous analogies, including my all time favorite NBA player analogy ever. He compared his three most famous teammates to the Corleones Wade was Michael, Kobe was Sonny, and Penny was Fredo. Uh, He made the league more. Tremendous. tremendous. He made the league more entertaining, even if he always left us wanting just a little bit more. Here's my theory basketball is never as fun for Shaq as everything else happening in his life. Officials allowed opponents to defend him differently. They changed the rules against him. Those opponents shoved him around. They pulled down his shoulders after dunks. They beat the crap out of him. Teams fouled him in key moments, flashed a giant humiliating spotlight on his one glaring weakness, the fact that he couldn't make a fucking free throw. Even when he kicked everyone's asses for three straight postseasons, he received a decent amount of credit, but not really. Never enough. Even now, some people wonder, they're dumb, but they wonder, If he could have thrived in the small ball era, incredibly, the dude who won three straight finals MVPs has become underrated. Could Shaq have busted his ass for 16 years and earned a top five pyramid spot? Multiple MVPs? Yeah, he could have. He happily settled for the 13th spot. Some top five records, three finals MVPs, and a fantastically fun ride. He didn't graduate with a 3.04 like me. It wasn't a 4.0 either. It was probably a 3.7. Does it matter? Should we hold it against him? J. A. Adande is here. You covered him for a bunch of years. You wrote about him when you were at the LA Times. Does it matter? Is the three seven okay?
1: He's okay with it, so the three seven is okay. And first of all, I have to say how cool it is to hear a live reading of a Bill Simmons column. <laughs> Thank we, you. we don't get too many columns. As you started reading, I was like, "Wait a minute, we're getting a Bill <laughs> Simmons column here. We, we don't get that." That was too an old anymore. column. I barely, I barely <laughs> reread it. Just dusted it yeah. off. Um, An important label for him that you left out, the greatest free agent signing in sports history. Yeah. Because find me another free agent that brought four trips to the finals, championship round, whatever you want to call it for the sport, and an MVP. Yeah. And three championships, most important, three championships, because LeBron went to four finals in Miami, um, but he only won two. Um, LeBron went to four finals in Cleveland, only won one championship. Some people say, oh, because Cleveland, you know, they hadn't waited that one man. No, it's one. Shaq brought three championships to L.A., won an MVP in L.A. You will not find a better free agent signing in the history of American sports. It's that simple. So he still has that title. LeBron could have taken it with a slightly better performance in Miami. I'm giving it to Shaq. Another thing I thought of as I
0: was preparing this podcast, he was the first guy who entered the league that I felt like entered the league as a fully formed persona. You know, like even Jordan. We watched Jordan for three years in Mm -hmm. North Carolina. Saw him on the Olympic team. He wasn't famous. He was basketball famous and sports famous. But like I remember when he was on David Letterman's show, probably two months into his rookie season, and it being a really cool thing for me, I was like, oh, cool. Letterman realizes he should have Jordan on his show. (laughs) Shaq was at LSU. He was super famous already. He was filming Blue Chips before he ever got to the NBA. The Shaq lottery was one of the biggest lotteries we've ever had. And when he showed up at Orlando, I was like, this guy's going to win multiple titles. I feel like I know him already.
1: And like he just was like a superstar him. already. But There's a picture of him with the mouse ears at Disney World like yeah. early on. Like he, Yeah, he just grew into it. I think another label for him, we never had a big man as comfortable in his own skin as Shaquille O'Neal. Mm. You know, you had Good Kareem was a brooding big man. Will Chamberlain was kind of an angry big man. You know, Bill Russell, you know, you were a Boston guy. I don't know what adjective you used to describe. The Russell, but it's definitely not outsized personality. Proud and disgruntled. Yeah. So, And Wilt know, was somebody
0: who wanted to play any other sport than basketball.
1: <laughs> right. And do anything volleyball. else but be a basketball so player. So I, I yeah. see Wilt Chamberlain one time at the beach in, in Santa Monica. You know, he used to always come down and play volleyball there. And I had a class at Crossroads where um, school near and dear to your heart now. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we're down there. We had a beach volleyball class. And we go down there. And one day as we're down there, here comes Wilt. Gets out of his car. There's a parking lot right there. Gets out of his car. He's wearing nothing but like spandex tights. You know, no shirt, no socks, just these spandex tights, and comes walking across everybody. Hey, Wilt, and just walks through everybody's game. Like, like everybody has to stop as he walks through first court, second court, oh third God. court, gets to where he wants to be. Um, I don't know how what propped in that memory in my head. No, but that, that. But that's Will. But that was his personality. You know, whereas Shaq. One of the key things about Shaq's personality was he wanted to please. Now, this had nothing to do with his on-court performance and his style on the court. He wanted to punish people on court. But away from the court, he wanted to, to please and he wanted you to like him. Key difference between him and Kobe Bryant. Kobe didn't care if you liked him. We're obviously going to have to get into Kobe a lot. You can't have Shaq without the context of Kobe. They're intertwined. But um, key difference was Kobe, especially at that age— Kobe didn't care if you liked him until the very end. His last year, that, that farewell tour, he wanted people to think fondly of him. He on felt the like he started
0: door. to think about that around 2012.
1: Yeah, the, the Olympic team. And I always say it's because he realized that he wasn't the best player anymore. Before, yeah. he could do whatever he wanted because he knew when push came to shove, he could beat anybody on the court, one-on-one, beat their team, whatever. So he just knew, you don't have to like me, I'm going to beat you. He knew at that point, and he was a, de- I'll give him credit for being aware of it and for not being delusional. He realized, okay, LeBron and these guys, Kevin Durant, these guys are better than me now. Well, I
0: also thought he was thinking about his legacy. And, yes. All right, I have now have three years here to shape my legacy right. with all the people who are going to be shaping it for right. me. Every reporter, writer, mm-hmm. podcaster, whoever. That was, he called me in the 2012 season, yeah. he called me out of the blue. Yeah. It's like, so one you way he, he can do me? that
1: is to be a go to quote. And yeah. he was the spokesman for that team. Yeah. You know, he wasn't the best player on that team, but he was. Remember, there's people like, oh, could this team beat the dream team? Like, Kobe was the one that was unafraid to take that on. Right. So here goes Kobe again, intruding on Shaq. But um, Shaq, he would tell a joke and he'd look at you, like, waiting for you to laugh. You know, it was important that you laughed at his jokes. He's like, I mean, he literally would ask sometimes, You think I'm funny? He's like, I'm a pretty quotatious guy, aren't I? You know, he wanted but that. But then seal other of times he people. would go
0: on autopilot. Like, there were times when he would just mumble through everything. And it was almost like he had degrees of like, am I going to be fun quotable Shaq today or just guy who hates this? And And the interesting
1: thing is he could, sometimes he would straight up boycott. He wouldn't talk at all. Yeah. Or, or he'd give you, you know, clearly C-level Shaq mumbling his way through it. But we actually gave him a break on that because when he was on, he was so good. When he was on, it was, you know, the quote of the day, you know? And so that's why you kept showing up. And it's actually why you, you didn't begrudge him when he wasn't forthcoming because, um, good Shaq was as good as it got in the NBA. So I never knew until the celebrity
0: roast that he started doing. And I had gotten to know Jimmy Kimmel a little bit over that time. And Jimmy was in the first one. I wrote a running diary of Shaq's first celebrity roast. <laughs> I remember that. And I praised Jimmy in it. And then Jimmy reached out to me and Jimmy was telling me that year, are like, Shaq's the best. He's so funny. He's, I'm like, really? I just see like, you know, media Shaq But I do think he was this fun-loving guy. And, you know, we could talk about Shaq versus Kobe this whole time. I don't want to. But I do think that probably was a big reason him and Kobe ultimately didn't get along. Kobe was one of these, I want to be Jordan. I'm all about basketball. I'm going to be in the best shape ever. I'm adding stuff to my game every year. And Shaq would win the finals. He'd be like, I'm going to produce some celebrity roasts.
1: (laughs) 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 I'm going to make a rap
0: album. And I think... Just fundamentally drove Kobe crazy. He just hated it. And then Shaq would show up fat the next season, and he'd be like, "Well, wow. see, I told you he was going to be right. fat." And it was like a bad
1: marriage, diametrically opposed, and that's one reason why it did end in an ugly divorce. because yeah. Shaq not only stop and smell the roses, stop and have a parade, right, and enjoy life. Life is too short. Enjoy it, you know. And also, you know, his mentality is, I'll, "I'll make him when it counts." That's what he used to say about the free throws. I'll make them when they count. And actually was looking back like he had like three postseasons where he shot 60% yeah. better from the, you know, and, and he would, he did make a lot of free throws and I maintain that his poor free throw shooting didn't cost the Lakers. You know, they, they won three championships with him, Um, but yes, he could have been better. I, so I was in the middle of the Shaq Kobe beef, you know, for the entirety of it. And people didn't like this. They thought it was equivocating, but they were both right and they were both wrong. You know, um, Shaq was right that you should enjoy life and that you shouldn't take everything so seriously. And Kobe was right that you should be a professional and you should be in the best shape as possible. You know, like was Kobe right that Shaq should be in better shape? Yes. Was Kobe right that, you know, Shaq should be more disciplined. Yes. Um, but in life, Shaq was right that like life is meant to be enjoyed. Right. And Shaq was also right in that the ball should go through him. And that was their big, you know, basketball difference was that Kobe wanted to take the shots. Shaq wanted to take the shots. Um, the ball, at that time, the way the NBA was played, the way Shaq and Kobe were in their careers, Shaq should have been the first option. And when they went through Shaq in the playoffs, that's how they won three championships because Kobe realized that and played along, and Shaq was the first option.
0: You know, we, we have another podcast that we did about Game 4 2004 Finals, and it struck me. The biggest criticism of Shaq, legacy-wise, other than all the stuff we just talked about, is, well, he if you play today, he'd be in trouble. Teams would just put him in pick and roll and he would blah blah. blah. A couple things on that. One is he was a really good passer.
1: And he came he grew to be. He
0: wasn't I'm early saying on. like yeah, yeah, I'm saying like by, that, by the by the time so, yeah. by the time we got into that oh one, oh two, oh three, oh four range, he knew what to do if he was double teamed because he had to learn because they changed his own defenses on him and he had to learn how to recognize quickly and he got pretty good at it. But if you look at the way they played back then Everybody's too close. Everyone's clogged. I think if you put him now just surrounded
1: by shooters, right the floor. what
0: the fuck would you do? How would you? You can't single him because he's going to score, but if you double him and you put shooters around. So I, I think well, we he'd actually we saw be that in Orlando
1: with Dennis Scott. Yeah. Right? You know, and, it was the first version of that right. team. And it's funny because he never got another one of those in LA. And they traded for Glenn Rice and he thought Glenn Rice could be that for him. But and Glenn they got him like a little too late. Also, his style didn't fit. Glenn Rice was not a catch-and-shoot guy. Glenn Rice liked to put the ball on the floor. True. And Shaq, I remember, you know, he was kind of disappointed. He said, I thought he was a different type of player. You know, you, you think, oh, Glenn Rice, great shooter, but you don't think about the the small differences in styles and plays. And Glenn Rice's shooting style didn't fit Lakers. Like you... Shaq with Klay
0: Thompson? Oh, if you're just God. making, like, random right. all-time teams? I think Shaq would have been unbelievable. I actually think he's weirdly become— Underrated for different reasons. Like Hakeem's underrated just because yes. Hakeem. Moses now is Malone just, is the most underrated. Moses Malone's right. most underrated. Hakeem is underrated because now he's just like, oh, the guy who teaches people big band right. moves. It's like right. that guy was the best part of right. the week for two or years. Or the guy who
1: won when Jordan was out, right? Yeah. Like, I think his, people know desired. that Shaq was good, but
0: I think when they do the whole thing of, ah, oh, well, I mean, that was back then. Nowadays, right. you get, first of all, the game suits a lot of the stuff he was good at offensively in a much bigger way. Second, I think the internet and Twitter would have been really good for him. Well, he cre- I think we would have been calling him I think we would have been calling him out when he was like fat coming into training camp or when he wasn't running back on D hmm. and people are making 5-minute YouTube clips of look how lazy Shaq is in this game. I think he would have that would have made him more competitive. I, I,
1: don't, I, don't, I don't think it would have to, I don't think he would have taken it to heart. Another thing You, you don't think, think he would have taken for, it to heart? You he brought up Twitter. We got to give Shaq credit for popularizing Twitter. I joined Twitter. I first got a Twitter account to follow Shaq. Remember, he was the first Some people say Shaq created Twitter. He did in a lot of ways. (laughs) He kind of did. But I mean, I started falling because I would read these reports of like, well, Shaq on the, I forget what they called it, the microblogging site. What was the label they used to have for Twitter? Remember, they used to have to explain what Twitter was. Oh, like 0708. Yeah, they're like, Shaq on Twitter, a microblogging site popular with, I don't know what they called it, It these corny definitions, Right. But you, I kept reading about him interacting with fans and telling fans to meet up here at the mall and I'll give you tickets. So I got on Twitter just to see what Shaq was up to. I felt as an NBA reporter, if I wanted to be up to speed with everything that was going on, I had to be on Twitter to, to see what guys like Shaq are. So Shaq, I give you credit for that. And he was the first big celebrity, to not just literally big, but the first famous celebrity to embrace Twitter. So he gets some credit. I think Shaq would care more about
0: that. He made almost $300 million playing basketball, which I think is third all time. There's been three overpowering players in my lifetime that when I watched them in person, and I didn't see the first one in person, but I would imagine I felt this way, that they hit a point where you go, I don't understand how other people are supposed to stop this. We didn't get to see Wilt. He was ahead of our time. Shaq, 100%, was like this. I mean, they're, especially in some of these finals things where you're just going, they might have to change the rules. Like, how how are they going to stop this guy? He can just get the ball at a certain point, turn around and dunk. And honestly, the third one is LeBron had some moments this decade, especially as he really put on more of mom Russell and they, the 17 and 18 golden state series, which they both lost Cleveland lost both of them, but he had moments in those where it just seemed like he could put his head down and get to the rim, whenever he wants. It didn't matter how many people were in front of him. And I think those are the only three people. Am I, is there anybody else?
1: I'll ask you to frame it this way. Um, it's interesting because I I never had the perspective. Like, who can of, of get, like get to the
0: rim? Like, right. this person's like, I'm getting to the rim
1: on this play. I think there's three people ever who could have actually just gotten to the rim. Completely unstoppable. Well, I mean, one of the things about him, he led the league in shooting percentage or field goal percentage, I think, 10 times. Yeah. Um, Dunks, layups, so,
0: little jump hooks.
1: Yeah. So, one, one of the most unstoppable scoring forces the league has ever seen. And another testament to him, this is kind of anecdotal evidence, but... You know, it used to be you'd go in the visiting team locker room, or you go in the locker room before the game in the NBA and and they would have their scouting report. They'd, you know, write it on the blackboard or whatever, the whiteboard, and they would just leave it up. Back then, they didn't care. You know, it was before, you know, camera phones and blogging. So, right now, you know, yeah. So back then, they could just leave up the scouting report. Nobody would care. They didn't care if the media came and looked at it. And, I just remember, you know, the the Laker heyday. You'd go in, and, like, the first four things were all about Shaq. And it wasn't that they disrespected Kobe. I mean, it's nothing. But it's he was such a force. Right. So they would say, you know, okay, Shaq, you know, likes to get the ball here. Don't let him get the ball on this side, you know. You know, likes to post up on – like, the top of the scouting report was Shaq this, Shaq that. Like, that was it. Like, you opposing coaches, their whole thing was, what are we going to do about Shaq? And ironically,
0: never really played on the perfect team except for those Orlando teams. Another, thing we're we fundamentally like the right kind of people you would put. It, if we were just starting from scratch, knowing what we know about basketball now, I'd be like, yeah, I'd want Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, um, Penny Hardaway, and maybe Brian Shaw. Yeah.
1: Their starting five was perfect. I mean, get out
0: Horace and just yeah. be like, all right, four shooters, right. let's go.
1: The problem was they didn't have the depth. Um, no. But their starting five was, you know, as good as the Bulls starting five that year. Another Shaq label we have to give them, He was part of the last team to beat Michael Jordan in the playoffs. Yeah. The only team to beat Michael Jordan between 1991 and 1998. All tapes have been destroyed.
0: Let's take a break to talk about FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook is FanDuel's sports betting app. It's now available in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Indiana. FanDuel knows that in sports, as in life, stuff happens. Sometimes the shots don't fall. Sometimes the calls don't go your way. And sometimes you read an entire 700-page book in the history of basketball, and then you realize you've got a little more to say about the NBA, which is why we're here. At least in the case of those first two, sports Sportsbook has got your back. Right now, it's offering their famous third quarter insurance on all NBA games. Here's how it works: Bet the pregame money line on any NBA game. If your pick is winning after the third quarter and goes on to lose in the fourth, FanDuel will refund your bet up to fifty dollars in site credit. When was the last time your bookie offered a do over? Yeah, doesn't happen very often. FanDuel Sportsbook's third quarter insurance available right now to all users, whether you're new to the site or a regular, but you have to visit the promotions tab in your FanDuel Sportsbook app to opt into this promo first. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, be sure to use promo code BSbook when you sign up. Once again, BSbook must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable site credit. Set credit expires seven days after receipt. Max refund $50. Terms apply. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit 1 800 Gambler.net or in Indiana, call 1 800 9 with it. Back to the podcast. The resume for Shaq 19 years, uh, 14 quality seasons, 15 all star games. He's a member of the 25K, 10K club, 25,000 points, 10K rebounds. That is not a not a big club. Almost scored 29,000 points. 50K minutes, regular season plus playoffs. League scoring leader twice. Led the league in field goal percentage. I have nine per, nine times. You nine had times. said 10. Led the league in PER five times. He was an early I PER leader.
1: Wow. Um, I didn't basically, look at the advanced metrics on him.
0: Even if you have the rest of his career, the last couple of years, which didn't go great, he's still 24 and 11 for his career. He's still 58% field goal percentage, fourth all time. Uh, he's twelfth in win shares, one hundred eighty-one point seven. He's fourth in PR, twenty-six point four. He's a fifty-two point seven percent free throw shooter career. He almost missed half of his free throws. Finals MVP, 000, 01, 02. MVP, oh two thousand. Runner up, ninety-five oh five. He was my personal MVP in 05. I thought he should have won. He went to Miami. I thought he transformed that team. He had a really good Shaq year. I
1: voted for Nash.
0: He, yeah, yeah. I I'd have to look at it, but when I did my book at Shaq 05, I see the case for Nash. Six top five finishes, 93 Rookie of the Year, three All-Star MVPs. Um, he made eight. It's kind of incredible
1: for a, a big man to win an All-Star good. MVP. Those games aren't really suited for big men, right?
0: Probably threatening them. Eight first-team All-NBAs, two second-team All-NBAs. So 10 times he was a top 10 guy. Eight times he was the top five guy, and he also made four third teams. His two-year peak, 29 and 14. His three-year playoff peak, 30 and 14, and 55% field goals, 58 playoff games, uh, 2000 finals, 38 and 17, 2001 finals, 33 and 16, 2002 finals, 36 and 12. Yeah, <laughs> every game. Uh, first 14 years in the league, 26 and 12, 58% field goal, 28 PR almost. He was swept in the playoffs six different times, and he was the best or second player on four champions and two runners up. I have him as thirteenth all time. He, out of all the guys who are one through sixteen, he's the only. I, I should say, of the of all the guys who were like from eight to twenty five, let's say, he's the only one who had the talent to be in the top five. Will I have like eighth? And maybe if it breaks correctly for Will. It could have happened. Shaq was the other one. If Shaq was really like I really want to be one of the best players of all time, I think it happens.
1: In part because another unofficial label is the most unique athlete, you know, that we've seen in basketball, the combination yeah. of strength and agility and it wasn't just brute force you know and a lot of people thought oh it's just size well if it was just size you know james donaldson could have been as good as shaq for <laughs> stanley roberts you know yeah. who was probably you know people at lsu used to say like stanley roberts was the better of the two for a while but like you know he lacked some of the things including discipline now, like, you know we we talk about in comparison to kobe maybe shaq wasn't disciplined but obviously he was disciplined enough to have such a stellar career. And he um,
0: did work on his game. Like, like even yeah, you he, saw it in the 2004 finals, the telling of his career. Yeah, he's got Turnaround jump jumper, right. He had lean in. Yeah, he became a backs. better passer.
1: Yeah, all, all those elements, you know, so it was far from just brute force. I mean, that was a really simplistic way. Oh, he's so so much bigger than both. no, he was a great athlete, and he was skilled as well. I think a key stat, fifth all-time in finals points per game. 28.83 points per game. That's an interesting list. Rick Barry is on top. Yeah. 36 plus, but that's kind of a one off, right? Did, like he had one game one where or two he two finals, right? Yeah, he
0: shot like 50 times in a game.
1: MJ second at 33.6, West 30.5, KD 30.3, um, Kyrie is eighth. Um, Get him 9, out of there. Steph is 10th. Um, Bob Pettit right after Shaq at sixth.
0: KD's 30 plus a game in the finals
1: is like no joke. Yeah. That's a good stat. He was the best player on the court with LeBron on it. Like, he outplayed LeBron. Like, yeah, he had better teammates around him. He was the best player in the finals against prime LeBron. Um, Other labels for Shaq. So I got to tell the story. Well, I actually played against him once for a story I did for the Sporting News. Remember the Sporting News? Mm. I feel like we need an explainer for yeah. uh, the younger audience out there. Um, but I did a freelance story for the Sporting News. It was about big men in the NBA, low post play in the NBA. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to, because I kept talking to people about what it was like. That was kind of one of the main themes, right? And there for Akeem Olajman was like, what's it like trying to guard Shaq? He goes, it's like trying to stop a train. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and all these people just kept telling me that. And, and again, that speaks to just what a force he was. Going around, work on the story, everyone just kept oh, my God, Shaq's so hard, so much to deal with, so difficult. So I said, I want to play against him to see what it's like. And so I set it up. It took a couple of times to get through it. So one day after a shoot-around at the forum, I get out there, and it's me and Shaq and John Black, who was the Lakers PR director, was, like, throwing entry passes to Shaq. So we just did a few. We didn't play one-on-one, but I just tried You just guarding. wanted to feel
0: the physicality. Yeah, I just
1: tried guarding him a few times, and then I tried to score against him a couple of times. Um, brutal. It, I've never ached so much after. You know, we played for five or 10 minutes and like oh it God. felt like I had done like a two-hour workout. I remember driving home, it was Valentine's Day and I'm, I'm my back is in traction and <laughs> I just, I need a massage. <laughs> just the physical pounding he does, you know, just inadvertently, you know, just he swings and you feel his chest. And I, I remember just grabbing onto his biceps and I'm like going along for the right, I'm holding on for dear life against him. Um, and then when he was guarding me, he says, I'm going to show you what they do to me. And he just lifts up with his leg and just bam. And then he throws his elbow into me. He's like, because he dealt with this throughout his career. Just bam, you know, forearm into my back. And I just, you know, I probably weighing 180 at that time, you know, and just I'm crumpling under it. But what was even more impressive was like, okay, I'm going to score against him. I'm going to take him outside and drive around him. I'm faster than him, right? And I get past him and his closing speed was so impressive, like, he just swatted this, he blocked right. my shot so hard, it, like, bounced off, and, like, went in the third row. The first time I tried to guard him, he spins on me, dunks the ball, bounces on the court, and, like, comes up and hits me on the head. Jesus. Um, I'll never forget that experience, but I have a sense of what it was like. And not only was it hard to play against him, I'll never forget, um, so I was at the game where he, he lost it. Remember, he swung at, uh, at Brad uh Oh, Brad, Brad Miller. Miller, yeah. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it finally happened, because we kept waiting for it to happen he was getting hacked and abused and all this stuff and we're like when is he going to snap and this was the time he snapped and we're like oh my god he's going to destroy him and fortunately he's missed he swung at him and missed and we're talking in the locker room afterward so we i was the pool reporter to go in and, and talk to to the officials about it about the incident and talking to danny crawford after kind of as an aside off the record he said he's really hard to officiate yeah you know like one, you could call an offensive foul on him every play. You could call a foul on the defense every single time he touched the ball.
0: I remember I wrote in 06, and this is the tail end of Shaq's career as a as a prime center, but it, before the going to that Dallas-Miami series. And we were having a lot of officiating problems just in general, but I wrote my preview of that thing is like my biggest fear is that Shaq is so hard to officiate. They'll just give the two games where – Miami just has 50 free throws because the way Wade plays, where he's just careening into three people and then Shaq, you could call 50 fouls or you can call 10. And it was really up to interpretation. It all depends on the crew, right? Yeah, it all depends on the crew. Five things you need to know about Shaq. His 1999-2000 season is one of the five greatest NBA seasons of the past 35 years. Put 102 games including 23 playoff games, 4,163 minutes. He averaged a 30-14 in the regular season, 30-15 in the playoffs. So for eight straight months, it's like, what are we getting from Shaq tonight? 30 and 15. For eight (laughs) months straight, uh, he finished 82 and 23, just the Lakers. He joined the 3,000-1,000 minute club, 3,000 regular season minutes, 1,000 playoff minutes. Five people in that club. 1987 Bird, 2000 Shaq, 2003 Duncan, and here's where it gets weird. 1993 Dan Marley, whoa, 2005 Tayshaun Prince. Those are our five. Uh, but I would I would put that season with I have two Jordan seasons: 91 Jordan, 96 Jordan, 03 Duncan, 2012 LeBron, Shaq 2000. The five greatest start to finish.
1: Yeah eight-month runs, and, anyone had. And that was the first year with Phil Jackson, and yeah. it was exactly. And, and Shaq, the the thing about Phil was that he brought accountability, right? So now Shaq and Kobe were put on notice. they have been bickering. they have been underachieving in the playoffs. And now they bring in Phil, and that's partly on Shaq's request. You know, he said, I want a real coach. You know, and he wanted somebody the caliber of Chuck Daly or, or Phil Jackson. They bring in Phil. They pay him a lot of money. And now, you know, if they go on a five-game losing streak, they're not going to fire the coach. Right? You know, this is going to be on the players. Phil ain't going anywhere. You guys better figure this out, or it's going to be obvious that it's on you. And Shaq gets in shape, and he just brought it like we'd never seen. And
0: it's um, funny. The stats aren't, like, insanely different than some of his other best seasons, which is one reason not to totally trust stats because just watching a game-to-game, he
1: felt different. Looking at him. Yeah. You know, and then just the way he— he just dominated. So I went on the road with that team, pretty sure it was that year, in the spring. Remember, they, they got on a couple good winning streaks. They got, like, on a 19-game yeah. winning streak or something like that. And so I'm on the road with them, and we're in Milwaukee, and, like, the Bucks are, like, going through. Have you ever seen Ray Allen shoot a hook shot? No. He shot a hook shot. He goes through the lane, and he's shooting a hook shot. Guys are dribbling in the lane, circling around, dribbling out. And <laughs> I go to Sam Cassell afterward. I said, you guys seem to be, you know playing a little bit differently. You did seem a little wary going in the paint there. And he goes, Shit, they got sucking that motherfucker. <laughs> that was the line. But that's how dominant like watch the finals games on, on on YouTube. Yeah. And he's like going ten feet in the air and blocking shots. I mean, you just you couldn't get the ball past him. He was a monster. Yeah. Another uh thing you need to know. So Bill
0: Russell's teams finished seven sixteen and two ninety nine in the regular season for A 70.5 winning percentage. They won 70.5% of his games when he played. So that's the highest. Career regular season. Yeah. That was his. When Bill Russell played, he won 70% of his games. Shaq's teams from his second season in Orlando through his 14th season, his second year in Miami, were 654 and 298. They won 69% of their games. Wow. They never won fewer than 50. So for 13 straight years, you were guaranteed to succeed because he was on your team. I'm sure you, you are say, say that about Duncan too. Duncan's up there too, but we, we he's coming on a later There's podcast, but it was weird. And I, I look back at some of the stuff I wrote in 06. I don't feel like we fully appreciated him until he got to Miami and maybe he, he was a little older and a little more reflective and wiser and stuff. But I think that's when we really, he was playing with teammates that complimented him better. And that was when we were kind of like, oh, man, there's a lot more to this game than just turn around and dunk over people. Like, he's a good passer. He's a good teammate, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I felt like those two years were – it was a lot of, like, Shack like, love. Really?
1: I did. I, I didn't. I – I, you know, maybe maybe I should have voted MVP but you were, that year. you were um, in the middle of all of it in L.A., yeah, so, so you couldn't so I would seen it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I – like, again, I played against him. I'm them. saying nationally. I experienced it firsthand, so, so that wasn't something I experienced. But also – I thought he didn't get enough blame necessarily. I don't think people pointed out that when Miami won that championship, like Alonzo Mourning kind of had to bail them out in that last game. It's true. You know, that, that wasn't a great moment for Shaq.
0: I was talking more about the season and just like, I think the Shaq-Kobe thing overpowered his last couple years in L.A. When he got to Miami and and what was amazing about when he got traded was that, you know, it was hard for them to make a trade. Dallas was like, yeah, we're not trading Dirk Nowitzki, sorry. Yeah. And then you start going around the league. You got to match salaries with his salary. Yeah. And they end up, it's Lamar Odom, Karan Butler, and Brian Grant's terrible contract. And that was kind of all he was worth. And
1: Yeah, then they, it started, they didn't get an all-star in return. No. That was my big criticism. Like, you're going to trade Shaq, you better get at least one all-star. And
0: then it was a lot of, well, he's not, he's not a superstar anymore. And then he went to Miami, and he was still one of the best seven, eight guys in the league and proved it. So um, another
1: numbers I can give you without actually, I didn't research the numbers, but I guarantee if you go back and look even in those years he was getting swept, his numbers always went up in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, his points and rebounds, you know, they'd be all-star levels, obviously, in the regular season, and they would always go up. So even though they were losing in the playoffs, it wasn't on him.
0: And he has we have good closeout numbers for him, though, we'll get to later. Another thing you need to know about Shaq, just from being there, you're, if you're listening and you're younger to this and you missed him, um, there was kind of an ebb and flow to how we perceived his career, like he went to Orlando, and it was like, ah, oh, I his thought he was
1: like, oh, it was great, right? Yeah, yeah, it was
0: great. And then it was like, all right, well, they're gonna be great, right? Now nah, they weren't yet. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh my God, they beat MJ. Here he comes, and then Hakeem kicked his ass. So I was like, oh, there he goes. Then Swept the next again. year, MJ, sweet MJ, beats him next year. Oh man, is, is this happening? Goes to the Lakers. It's like, here he comes, and then they don't succeed for three years. It's like, ah, oh, is he? What, is he ever going to win? Like was that was that was a question, right? What's he's going he's on? a
1: choker. He's never
0: going to win it, right? Then two thousand, it's like here he is, it's jack. Right. Then the next four years, it's like eh, he's out of shape. Oh, he's back. Uh, and we just kind of did this roller coaster ride with him. Whereas I look at somebody like Duncan, and Duncan was just like this. You know, his teams would go from so, year to year, but we were always like, Tim Duncan's good. Let's stop
1: so, talking about it. But that brings up the question. You know, would you rather have Duncan's career as Shaq's career? Duncan, much more consistent, you know, winds up with one more ring. I would I I would
0: rather be Tim Duncan as a basketball player. Really? And I would rather have Tim
1: Duncan if I had to pick between the two. Whoa. Yeah. I was expecting that on the Shaq podcast. Well, I, you I take Dun- Tim Duncan.
0: I have Duncan ranked seventh all time. He's amazing. I don't he, he, I don't he have to ha- think about Tim Duncan. He's on my team. I get 18 years of Tim Duncan. I never have to think about it again. I just got to put good teammates around him. Shaq, like every three years, he might get unhappy. Well, here's the
1: thing. He might want to go to a different city. But the highs are going to be higher, right? Duncan Tim Duncan isn't going to do in the finals what we saw Shaq do in the finals from 2000 Tim Duncan did to beat Shaq, though. And Shaq beat Tim Duncan. True. You know, but like I said, Tim, can you find any stretch, like, from Tim Duncan's career, like what Shaq did— in it's those a fair 2000 point. To 2002 Finals. The ceiling the lows of Shaq's are lower though.
0: The ceiling of Shaq's building,
1: yeah, is a little higher. I don't know how many times, if at all, Tim Duncan got swept. Well, he actually, he got swept by Shaq in in 2001. Right. So at one point, Tim Duncan lost eight of nine playoff games to Shaq. Right. And then rallied. So, back. so that happened. Yeah. Um, so I I don't think Tim Duncan over Shaq is as clear cut. You you seem very you arrived at that Tim conclusion Duncan. very. Easy. I ride I ride or die with Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan will come into play later on in the categories, by the way. Fourth thing you need to know about Shaq.
0: He created uh he created the uh motif of creating controversies when you just wanted to change teams. <laughs> so he knows he might want to leave Orlando in '96. He's not getting along with Penny Hardaway that much anyway. Gets in a thing with Orlando. He knows where he he knows where he's going for six months, does a whole thing. Then it's like, I had to leave. This well, Penny you, Hardaway. You, know, is a you day. know what
1: they put it on? The poll in the Orlando Sentinel. Yeah, the Orlando
0: poll, right. All that stuff. It was like, no, you wanted to go to L.A. Who are you kidding? You were reciting <laughs> with thing Orlando. Is so,
1: i I'm kind of nostalgic for the day when something that appeared in the newspaper could oh my have God. such Remember an influence on the world. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, same thing with the Lakers. He knew they were going to pick Kobe over him. It was obvious that whole year and still managed... You know, and then he blew up the Kobe feud and made it worse because he knew he was leaving after that season. I think they tried to reconcile it a little bit as that year went along, but
1: he manufactured the trade request because he knew they were already yeah in the he works. Knew. The trade was in the works, so he tried to make it look like if there was a wanted.
0: fire and Shaq needed to get out of the house, he had no problems throwing a gasoline bucket on that fire and making it go up higher. Well, and the same thing with Miami, he he got really bummed out of Pat Riley and did the whole. I'm betrayed. I can't believe you traded me to Phoenix. And meanwhile, like, he totally wanted to
1: get traded. Right. He wanted to go there for his injury, But he did that in retrospect. Remember, he's like, oh, man, the medical staff's out here. They're so great. They said, so, you know, Pat Riley ruined me. You know, they made me play. They damaged me. Um, but that was all part of the game to him. That's he, what I mean. He, he loved it. So, and he said sort of retroactively, he said the whole stuff with Kobe, you know, the beef was just for show just to make things interesting. That's not true. You know, they they, that wasn't manufactured at all. You know, they they had severe disagreements, but, you know, he's trying to kind of retrofit.
0: The fifth thing you need to know about Shaq, and this is a crucial, important point, he was officiated differently than anyone in our lifetimes. We didn't get to watch woke. Um, Nobody has ever been fouled more times without a call. Nobody could then... If the refs decided that, say, they wanted the Lakers to win Game Six of the Sacramento <laughs> series in two thousand two, <laughs> you could then start calling all the things you could have called against right. Shaq every game. You're like, "Oh yeah, when you hammered him with your elbow in his back, yeah, that's actually a foul." Or when you're pulling his arms down, is he going for duck, yeah, we're gonna call but, that. But this in time. that game, it's like you tap
1: his right. shoulder, now all of a sudden this is a foul.
0: They created two rules specifically for Shaq. One was uh, you can't intentionally foul someone off the ball in the last two minutes of a half, which thank God they did that because that was idiotic we didn't have that. I thought that was more recent. Well, that no, that was in 2000. Okay. Yeah. The other one was they created zone defenses. Yeah.
1: What year? Two thousand two thousand one. 2001. It was 2001. the year, the year yeah. after his awesome season. Oh, that was the year they swept. So I remember he actually, he kind of took care of me that day. So they, I think they swept. They have an off day, no practice. And um. I said, Shaq, we need to talk. So he he, he he called me back. And so, like, I had a nice little exclusive. And, like, he gave me the A material. And then so he was going at at Jerry Colangelo and the Suns. He says, you know, they had to change the rules because they can't guard me. That's why they had to put zone defense in because Jerry Colangelo was mad that his team couldn't stop me. Um, it also gets into when you look at how Shaq would do against teams today. And, and, you know, could you just go small ball against them? So the Suns tried to go small ball, like, in 2000. um, Particularly, Did they play in two thousand one? No, they didn't play. It was in 2001. two. It was they, the, they, played, they played. last Jason Kidd season before yeah. they traded in the Nets. Yeah, so that was two thousand, right? Yeah, two thousand. Um, so the, the Lakers went in five. Danny Ainge tried to go small ball a lot in that series. It was Ainge or Scott Skiles. I'm trying to remember one of them. Um, but they they tried to go small. And it didn't work at all. The Lakers just destroyed. You couldn't go small against Shaq. So I think that was like a test or a preview of what would happen if Shaq went up against a small ball team. Now, granted, those teams weren't as proficient from three point. um, So it might be a little different now if you're raining threes on them. But he destroyed those smaller teams.
0: And the big thing with the zone rules, which have evolved over the last two decades, but now when Shaq got the ball, you could— sent somebody over, but he could kind of go back and forth between the paint, and it just made his life harder, and it was clearly created for him. Uh, What's aged the best? So the young Shaq highlights have weirdly aged the best. That's you what had I had. That? I said Orlando, Orlando Shaq. Orlando
1: Shaq. That's what I had under what aged the best. Orlando Shaq, I'll also add Forum Shaq. Like the first three years with the Lakers, and you can tell by the highlights, by the different jerseys they had. Orlando Shaq and Forum Shaq. That's where all the highlights are from. Shaq was obviously better once they got to Staples Center. His, his MVP year coincided with the first year in Staples Center. 20th anniversary this year, by the way. Um, but clearly the highlights of Shaq were the best. So that's the first thing I had written on my page was Orlando Shaq. Basically.
0: I remember they played the Celtics in a playoff series. That was the last series for the Boston Garden. And we actually... The Magic were
1: the ones that closed it yeah. out? Wow. I forgot
0: we won one of the first two, and it was a best of five. And it was like, oh, man, we have a chance to close these dudes out. And we went at them. Those games are actually pretty good. They've been on Hardwood Classics a couple of times. But, man, he was... There was some breathtaking moments from him where it was just like him running the four and it was like, oh, my God. You know, you... Robinson was like that too, but Shaq was a little different because there was a fear factor. Oh, yeah. Him. I mean, Robinson wasn't destroying
1: backboards. Like, right. You Athletically,
0: know, they were in the same ballpark, but Shaq was like, oh, my God, someone might die.
1: I mean, just as fast as David Robinson and 80 pounds heavier. I don't know how much yeah. More heavy, just the physical. I mean, the, you know, you've seen it 100 times with, you know, when he – Grabs the rim and and then the backboard, the the support, not the backboard, but the backboard structure and support just kind of gives way. It's just like, oh, oh, oh. it just well, gives up.
0: Remember, they had to, they had to beef them up. That was another thing I should have mentioned in what you need to <laughs> know about Shaq. They actually had to change basket supports for him because he, I forgot, the about basket that. like collapsed.
1: Yeah. it was almost like an amusement park ride that that got but tampered with. I've never seen an inanimate object just give up. Like, <laughs> right. it, it's just like I, I quit. I can't handle it. Uh, please,
0: another uh, would say the best. His scoring and rebounding averages in the f- in all of his finals were, so he's in one, two, three. Five finals before Miami. 28-12, 38-17, 33-16, 36-12, 27-11. In his first 19 finals games, he averaged
1: 34.2 points a game. That's ridiculous. He also averaged... Over 19. Like Again, Rick Barry averaged 36, but that was over 5 or 6, right? He
0: averaged a 38-15 in the last two games of the King Series in 2002. He averaged a 25-18 in the last two games of the 95 Bull Series when they beat them. And then obviously 36 20 in game four. He went goes 40 20
1: back to back against the Kings, I think, in 2001. Oh,
0: yeah. The, and the, the that was incredible like the yeah, He
1: goes back to back 40 20s, I think, in, in games one and two. But it
0: goes back to your point of like in the bigger games, he did get better. Yeah. He wasn't one of those like, even oh, when they man. lost.
1: Yeah. You know, and this, that's kind of like an addendum to our our Lakers 2004 game four series uh, uh, podcast. And that, yeah, they lost, but. It wasn't like Shaq. Yeah, Shaq no show. Was not the you loser. Know, you, you'd have a hard time finding a no show of Shaq in a critical game.
0: Another what's age the best? Just him and Blue Chips. Blue Chips is on cable all the time. I just like seeing <laughs> him. It's like an old home movie of young Shaq. Uh, his celebrity roast, which included, um, which really kind of relaunched the roast. I felt like you're giving but all those roast like the. Um, it was right there in that era. Comedy Central started doing them, then okay. Shaq, but then Shaq had the. The incredible Emmett Smith roast, which has... (laughs) Where he destroyed... or Jamie Foxx destroys the comedian, uh, Doug Williams, and Jeff Ross (laughs) comes in and kills it for seven minutes in a way that
1: I don't think anyone's done in a roast. Is is that the launching of Jeff Ross, would you say?
0: It really is. Okay. That was when I fell in love with Jeff Ross. Uh, And then, but... (laughs) I mean, he says so many mean things to Shaq, and Shaq's just dying. But one of the comedians came in and started making fun of the 2002 Kings. (laughs) And... Talking and made fun of two thousand. It was one. I think it was Guy Tory and he was making fun of the two thousand two Kings, and then started making fun of Jason Kidd. And this is terrible, but he was making fun of how big Jason Kidd's head Sun's, was. Sun, and they're his, cutting his head or his son's head. His son's head. Yeah. And it cuts to Shaq and Shaq's like, <laughs> just like convulsing. And apparently Jason Kidd was really mad about it. And it was like a whole thing, but Shaq's just like making Shaq laugh. There is no more funny NBA player to make laugh.
1: That's funny. Those, those roasts remind me. So there used to be a, um, the, like the, the, City, the Chamber of Commerce or something in LA used to sponsor like a luncheon with the Lakers at the start of the season. Yeah, It's hard to imagine these things now in 2019. But um, so that was the one after the King series in 2002. So that following season, and Shaq was making all these jokes about like, Doug Christie and... Oh, he hated... He, yeah. w- he was so dismissive of and, that Kingston. And, and I, I think that was the year he was dealing with the the, the feet stuff, you know? Yeah. So he says, well, my toe's doing better now after Doug Christie's wife was rubbing on... It, it was <laughs> all this stuff. Like, you can't imagine somebody saying today... He says it's like at a Chamber of Commerce Like Oh, function. my God. Uh, another
0: what's age the best. The tell me how my ass tastes rap. Oof. One of the great early <laughs> internet moments. <laughs> One of the great... rap hey, Kobe... Beeps. Hey Kobe, tell me how my ass tastes, and I really think that fueled Kobe to end up winning titles four and five. So he could, because Shaq says in the song, "I've won, I've yeah. won three. Kobe couldn't
1: have done it without yeah, me, and he never does won a all. Of it. Without me, yeah.
0: And he freestyled it. It's actually like a pretty good rap.
1: That was pretty. Good. I would watch a documentary. I about think that, that one rap. was better than you know. I think he took the L in this recent Damian Lillard.
0: One. Yeah, but he's like washed up,
1: rap Shaq now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he destroyed. Uh,
1: he still Kobe. had it. I, yeah. I had the nicknames. Let's do it. Shaq's well, I didn't, I didn't write oh, it down, just but, but, but just, I, I'm saying what age the best, his nickname is from the big Aristotle, the, the, the big, the big what sewer. What was your
0: favorite one? Um, I like the big Aristotle because I never really understood it.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had a whole, you know, he gave the quote that went with it. Like he clearly had, had thought about that one. Um, so I asked him, they win the championship in 2000, his first championship. And I, I, I was a little disappointed in this one. I, I said, so what, what's your new nickname? You know, I thought he'd be the big champion or something like that. And he's like the big deportator. I said, what? He said, I'm sending all the foreign centers home. So if you look at who oh, he went through that great. year, so he went through like Vlade, Rich yeah. Schmitz was in the finals. Like, um, the deportator. The big deportator. That one never so, caught up. <laughs> <laughs> but every, he, he said it like in the middle of the crowded locker room, but like every, if you look at who they played that year, every, every team had a foreign center. Let's take a break to talk about it. Luminary, a podcast subscription service with some of the best
0: content around, including some great ringer stuff like our new amazing podcast, Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team. You you like the NBA if you're listening to this podcast well. This is one of the most important NBA stories of the last 25 years. The host is our very own Jordan Ritter-Kahn. Uh, if you like sports, great investigative journalism, or whatever else is a podcast you definitely can't miss. It's personal to me. I never understood in the 2007-2008 range why we were just letting the Sonics lose their team in Seattle and move to another city and nobody really seemed to, uh, to care that much. It was a hijacking. Uh, we break all of it down. If you, everything you ever want to know about this, it's, it's covered here in Sonic Boom. Uh, Luminary offers more than 40 podcasts you can't find anywhere else, including two more from the ringer break stuff. The story of Woodstock 1999 and our rewatchable spinoff, the rewatchables 1999 The app is free to download at Luminary and gives you access to more than just their own content. Use it to listen to thousands of other shows, including this one right here. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash basketball. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash basketball for two months of free access. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. What's age the worst? Shaq's free throw shooting was... I mean, he missed... 5,317 regular season free throws and 949 playoff free throws. Only six players ever attempted 7,500 free throws and shot worse than 70%. He's one of them. Only three players attempted 7,500 free throws at least and shot worse than 60%. Can you guess the three? Shaq is one. It's actually really easy to what, guess what, these what's three. What's the number? Three players, 7,500 career free throws. They shot worse than
1: 60% life. DeAndre Jordan, has he he hit the threshold? Dwight Howard. Dwight.
0: It's so funny because they're kind of like weirdly all spiritual cousins. Shaq was always like, oh, we haven't seen this as well. And then Dwight Howard is like, ah, it's kind of like Shaq. And they all have the same flaw. Hack a Shaq has aged just awfully and I hate it. I felt like it wasn't a thing until they started doing it to him. And now we've had
1: 20 years of it. And then it's finally kind of out of the game. But again, it didn't work. No. you know, like, like, and and not just you give him twenty free throws, he's gonna make ten, you know. Like maybe you think, okay, we're we're getting away with something, but he's he's gonna start making some. He's gonna actually find a rhythm in the game, um, and then just ancillary stuff like you're giving their defense a chance to set up. 'Cause you know, you're so you're always facing a set defense. You're giving Shaq a rest. You give yeah, you're giving the team a rest. You're getting guys in fact, man, Maybe it's guys you don't care about, but also you put in the bonus. So now if you touch Kobe 30 feet from the basket, you got an eighty percent free throw shooter going to the line. So the, there was just so many things are wrong with it. Starting with the front, it was an affront to the game of basketball. Right, right, yeah. That. You know, and I used to battle and a lot of people accuse me of being a homer because I would always say they need to get Sha- hack Shaq out of the game. This isn't basketball. I'd yeah. write that column all the time. I'd go back and forth to guys like Fran Blindberry. Yeah. Eastern Chronicle, and they'd say, oh, you're just being a homer. You're just saying it because Shaq. And I was particularly sensitive. I had Shaq, and then Dwight Howard was there, and then DeAndre Jordan. So I've subge- probably been subjected to more free throws than any other writer out there. But it's not basketball. If you say you love the game of basketball, this has nothing to do with basketball. People say, well, make your free throws. That's fundamental. You know, playing defense without fouling is fundamental, too. You know, I agree. Another would stage the worst. I'm giving myself credit, actually, for helping Adam Silver— Um, You should legislate that out of the game. Because every time I saw him, I would harp on him about that. Shaq
0: stole Steve Nash's idea for a reality show. (laughs) That's aged badly. He called it Shaq versus and it was such a blatant uh, theft of something Nash had said on the bus, how he wanted to do, that they actually had to make Nash an EP on it (laughs) as part of the settlement. So that happened. Shaq's last seasons in Miami, Phoenix, and Cleveland were like
1: really unseemly. He left out
0: Boston. Well, Boston, he just got hurt.
1: Yeah, but like it was sad to see him go out. You know, first of all, seeing him in a Celtics uniform after playing such an important—you role. You know what? Wick
0: Grossback, the Celtics owner, told me he said it was the best contract he ever signed. Why is he that? said because it was like a minimum contract. The ratings when Shaq was on the team were never higher. The, they were selling jerseys, wow. and they was People just were like buying Shaq. Celtics, oh jerseys? yeah, Shaq was a thing in the Celtics. I Remember figured. they traded Kendrick Perkins because they thought Shaq was coming back. Wow. But he never got back. But yeah, it, he actually affected the ratings in Boston positively because he brought in all of these
1: people that didn't really care about basketball. Wow, I just thought it was sad. A lot. I mean, he was so heavy then, and just you know.
0: the uh, the Kobe scandal, which we talk about in detail in the uh, other podcast, the Game Four, two thousand four. Um, the the incident happens in Colorado. LA Times reports hours after his sexual encounter with a hotel employee in Colorado, Kobe Bryant told investigators that Shaquille O'Neal had paid up to one million to keep women, two women, to keep them quiet about quote situations like this, according to a police report in Eagle and, and County, and that Colorado. Two thousand
1: four, right? Yeah, the incident happened in two thousand three. Do you have the date on that LA Times story? So the
0: Eagle County, Colorado detective wrote in a report Bryant made the comment near the end of a lengthy interrogation on July second, two thousand three. This article's from 2004, and yeah. Shaq found out. Yeah, Shaq knew about Shaq it Shaq found out in September 2003, right. yes. and
1: then they had to play together the whole year. Yes.
0: After yeah. he knew Kobe had thrown him under the bus. We talk about that more in the uh, accompanying podcast. I, I think
1: that actually speaks to the fact that he didn't strangle him. You know, he might have wanted to, but, you know. So who you, who Sha- win, Shaq's who, restraint aged well.
0: Also, again. Who wins a fight if they actually fought in the locker room and nobody was there?
1: Oh, Shaq. I mean, they, they, they scrapped one time in, I think, 99, and Kobe had, like, a big scratch on his, on his in neck. In practice? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. It, 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 that, that's something else that would have blown up a lot bigger today than it was. Than, Kobe's than it case, back
0: then. the case against Kobe is Chris Child's 2 piece them.
1: <laughs> so imagine what, what Shaq would have done, you know, with his kung fu training and his police training, right? So, yeah. And his size. I think so, Shaq's,
0: like, a minus 900 So, so I, I'm
1: going to say that Shaq's restraints age well again. So he lost it that one time with Brad Miller. But the fact that he really never, you know, strangled or mangled Kobe, you know, he punched somebody else, not
0: Barkley, because Barkley tackled him.
1: He punched Alvin
0: Robertson. Alvin Robertson? It's there's a great Alvin Robertson fight where he he's, he What's open Alvin hands Robertson smacks on him. He's on Detroit. But remember how crazy Alvin Robertson yeah. was, like a top he five. Went to jail, right? Yeah, like, he yeah. was a top five don't fuck with a guy yeah. guy in the NBA history. And Shaq open fan. And you know, when guys get separated, everybody gets tough. Right. Alvin Robertson is like, I don't care how many people are between us, I'm getting to him. And it was one of the, like, he's trying to get through 20 people to get to him. I don't remember that. And one. all the Pistons are like, oh my God, he, Alvin's going to kill him. I don't know how it played out, but it wasn't great. Um, another What's age the Worst. In the 1990s, Shaq mistakenly thought he could um, act in rap. And his IMDb includes Blue Chips, which I actually liked him in. Kazam, he was a star. He was in Arlis. He was in Good Burger. He was a star of Steel, and he was in a movie called Chairman of the Board, which brings me to my next category. Probably an answerable question. All
1: right, before we get into that, I'm going to say what age worse was criticizing Shaq for having outside interests. Because, oh, that's a good one. You know that that was, and that was a that's a reflection of the way people thought about hip hop at that time. So remember David Robinson like played piano, you know, was like classically trained pianist. And, White people love that though. Yeah, exactly. And so like, oh, this is so great. He's more than just a basketball player. He's a piano player. You know, if somebody played the violin, people would say, oh, that's so great. But because it was rap and because rap was still not mainstream, rap was still thought of as something else. And, you know, you I look, would say it was worse. People were the,
0: the NBA fan base was actually like yeah, anti-rap. Anti rap, well, well, anti anti the haircuts, all that stuff, the tattoos. That I, was I like a big the, thing the for Fan seven base years. Wasn't,
1: but the perception of the fan, you know. I'm saying certain the certain people that were holders, pay, the, right, t- the t- ticket. I'm ticket talking holders. ticket holders. So remember, the league comes out with the Love It Live campaign featuring dead white singers. They've got Frank Sinatra, Elvis. I forget who else, but like their their campaign is Love It Live. And you're showing dead white guys singers. You know, they had they, it took them a while to embrace hip-hop. The anti-Iverson backlash, which was a huge thing, right? Yeah, but you're
0: not talking one year. You're talking, like, seven years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because and, and,
0: you could, I'm telling you, in Boston in the late 90s, like, it was not going well. Yeah. And,
1: and, and so, well into like the Iverson 90s. Somebody Iverson
0: comes in and people are like, who the fuck is this yeah. guy?
1: so well into the 90s, there's an anti-rap thing. And so, if, if Shaq had done, again, if he had, if he had sung opera instead of rap... People would have celebrated that, but they wanted to say, oh, you know, he's not dedicated. You know, yeah. well, it's the summertime. Also, I'm going to say the fact that people say, well, Shaq needs to work on his free throws. He worked on his free throws all the time. I can't tell you how many times I saw him not only shoot, but make free throw after free throw. Same with DeAndre Jordan. It, it was just a mental block. You know, Phil Jackson said it was like a physical thing and there was an r- old wrist injury. And also just his hands were so big, like try to shoot a Nerf ball. Yeah, you know, with your hands, that's what Shaq was like trying to shoot a basketball. So, the, any accusation that he didn't actually try to work on his free throws is bogus. And the notion that you know he couldn't be a basketball player and a rapper—no, that's just because you didn't like rap.
0: He wasn't a great rapper.
1: He actually was pretty good. I mean, he was all right. He rapped with Biggie. for, that, he had, he for an Biggie. athlete, he was okay. But I mean, listen—you can't come on. you can't stop the rain with Big. He had Biggie on his album. It's pretty impressive. He was fine. He was okay. He was okay. The
0: probably unanswerable question I had for you is why does Shaq take shit for Kazam and not steal? How do we decide Kazam was the one we were going to bring up when we make the jokes about Shaq's terrible movies <laughs> in the 90s? Kazam. Kyle, you wear the plot of Kazam? <laughs> Rapping Genie yeah. grants a boy three wishes. $20 million budget. Made $19 million, Made its money back. 6% Rotten Tomatoes, not great. Roger Ebert said, Roger, Roger Ebert. Ebert, yeah. He said, Shaq has already proven he can act in blue chips. Here he shows he can be likable in a children's movie. What he does not show is good judgment in his choice of material. That's not like a scathing review of Shaq. Now we go to Steele a year later. <laughs> it starred Shaq, Annabelle Gish, and Judd Nelson. <laughs> it was, uh, Sha- Steele is basically a blue-collar Batman I could read you the whole synopsis, but uh, he's using stuff in the city and to make stuff, and I didn't he has really some understand clunky it.
1: Costume, right?
0: Yeah. DC Comics, sixteen million dollar budget, made one point seven million. Ouch. Twelve percent Rotten Tomato. Shaq lost the Razzie for Best Actor to Costner in The Postman. Wow. I just think Steele should be the go-to. I, nobody even talks fondly it's, about Steel. Kazam's at least like Kyle Sauce Kazam.
1: I think Kazam's easy to make fun of because you got Shaq wearing silk, you know, dressed like a genie.
0: And doing genie
1: raps. Yeah. Mm.
0: Steele was awful, though. I'd like to make the case for Steele. All right, next category. Too early, too late, just right. When he came into the league, do we wish he had come earlier or later? Was this the right time? I would actually argue this is the perfect time for him to come in the league. I liked what he represents with this era. I think he was the right big man to have during it. And as the basketball started to change, it was the tail end of his career anyway.
1: I think the case for too late is that it's like the Larry Holmes syndrome, right? That he didn't get a worthy opponent. So Ali had Frazier and Foreman. Larry Holmes comes along, you know, finishes off Ali, you know, who was clearly overmatched at that point. So Holmes doesn't get credit for that. And then he never has a worthy adversary, you know, much like Tyson early in his career. But, you know, but Tyson did have Holyfield eventually. But Holmes, you know, basically goes through pretty much unscathed, but we never give him any credit because there was no, no Hagler-Hearns moment. Or he, So Shaq suffered from that as well. You know, so can, he had you all the 90s was, guys. Can you name the center he went against in the 2002 finals on the Nets? Starting it was Todd McCullough. The, yeah, Todd McCullough. I'm, you get bonus points for that. But Come on. most most people a book in, of basketball right, podcast. I mean, you're, you're, you literally did the encyclopedia on
0: he, it. He, the 90s stars were tough to go through. And I would argue Duncan was his Frazier. We don't think of it that way, but they really did go toe to toe there for five years. Duncan wins in 99. Shaq has the 001 02. Duncan pulls it back in 03. And then the 04, the Spurs had a better team, but the Lakers pulled that one out. And then from that point on, it's Spurs again, 05. But they should have won in 06.
1: Shaq's gone. After. Shaq's gone, right. but, but the Spurs basically right. take the West from right. that
0: point on, but it's a pretty good rivalry. Um, nerd Corner. Only five guys averaged 20 points a game in their first 14 seasons. Seasons 1 through 14. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Carmelo Anthony. I about that? Well, Carmelo's a great scorer, though. Yeah. Carmelo, underrated. Uh, Shaq's first 14 seasons, 26 and 12. Only five guys
1: did that. Through 14 seasons, 26 and 12. 14 seasons, wow.
0: 26 and 12.
1: Will and, Chamberlain. and again, higher in the playoffs, I'm sure, through those 14 seasons. Will Chamberlain, Kareem
0: Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, Bob Pettit, Elgin Baylor. All guys who are very high on my uh, pyramid. I'm going to do a new section called The Rereadables. I wrote this in 2002 for my Who Has the Highest Trade Value column. I picked Shaq first. In 2002. The explanation was this. Still
1: in 2002? Yeah, I'm going to make it. Okay.
0: Seems a little dubious that he's ranked this high, right? (laughs) After all, he turned 30 years old this season. He's always threatened to retire, and he was responsible for Kazam. Notice I didn't say steal. (laughs) Sorry, Shaq. But here's the thing. If the Lakers ever traded him, Shaq is vindictive enough that he would postpone his eventual retirement plans, then devote the next decade of his life to winning championships, haunting the Lakers, making them rue the day. And the Lakers know this when motivated and hungry. He's the most dominant player in the league. This is what we talk about the ceilings. Nobody can stop him. Nobody. Not even Duncan. And that's why the Lakers would never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever, 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 ever trade Shaq. Not under any circumstances. <laughs> you which, were going so well. I was thinking yeah. like, wow, you're on it. It's you're tough. You going so well. And then, boom. boom. Which makes him the undisputed number one player on this list. They traded him two years later. <laughs>
1: You were so right until you I was were right so there. Wrong. I
0: had it. I was so close. All well, right. Well,
1: I, I I don't think any of us could have anticipated at that point the, the fallout. And well again, we always thought we always thought Kobe would be the one they traded. No, 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 no. That's no, how I no, felt. No, no, no. I just
0: no, thought Kobe was no, too much of a wild card. No, no. Especially after the trial. I mean, when the when we thought there was gonna be a trial, all that stuff.
1: No, and and a, So you
0: thought that it was always gonna be Kobe. You
1: that thought they, he was the golden choice. Look L- look at what Jerry Buss had to say about Kobe, including, you know while Kobe was, you know, facing the the charges, um, I, I talked to Jerry Bus one game that year, and because he he was he was a Kobe guy, he, he Jerry Bus was, Kobe, and the fans were on Kobe's side. So I think that's the thing that that you neglected was that, you know, the fans for some of the things we talked about earlier, that the, the fans that Kobe's work ethic, professionalism resonated with the fans. Laker fans, L.A. fans, I think Laker fans in particular actually always appreciated hard work. They don't get. Credit for that. Hmm. That's why Kurt Rambis was so popular and remains popular out here. The hardworking guy. LA is a hardworking town. It's just not going to steel mills and you know coal mines and stuff like that. But people are up at like three in the morning going to rig the lights at the movie set. Like, or going th-
0: to drive to Irvine at five in the morning because yeah. it's
1: going to take two hours. Yeah. yeah. So so like the, the the reason that traffic is so bad twenty four hours a day is because people are going to work, and so they sided with Kobe's. And, and, you know, Kobe was a more dazzling player. And we talked about in, in the uh, 2004 Game 4 series uh, podcast that it was a boring style. Like, running the offense through Shaq was boring. You know, the Lakers, when they were at their best, were very methodical. Um, and then when Kobe would break off and freelance, that's when it got fun. So all those were factors and the reason why Kobe was the fan favorite. They were never going to trade Kobe. I had this conversation with Mick Kupchak one time, and he said, the Laker general manager, I think it was after all was said and done. But he said he didn't want to go down. He was terrified of being the guy that traded Kobe. Like, he didn't want to have that. Like, like the Charlotte Hornets, right? Alan Bristow traded Kobe. You know, um, they drafted Kobe and they traded him.
0: Now he's an um, announcer.
1: Yeah. M- you know, Mitch Kupchak was terrified. Mitch was terrified of trading Kobe. Jerry Buss was not inclined to trade Kobe. They were never going to trade Kobe.
0: Was he a one of one?
1: Yes. Some of the things we talked about earlier, the combination of brute strength and agility um, and the personality. A big man with that personality we've never seen. I, we didn't get to see Wilt.
0: So I would say for my lifetime, definitely one on one. I don't think we see him again. I don't know how close Wilt was to him and what the experience was like watching Wilt. But Wilt seemed like he had a cool personality too. And there's a chance like, Shaq was basically 2.0 Wilt or modern Wilt or whatever.
1: Well, and and he embraced it. You know, he used to call himself the Wilt Chamber which yeah. was a nickname that Kobe actually bestowed on him. Um, it, it's funny. When they had the 50 greatest players in NBA history and they all gathered at the All-Star Weekend in, in Cleveland in 1997. 97. Um, so they're all in a room. And I, I remember Isaiah comes walking out. And I just said, like, Isaiah, what, what were your impressions? And it's funny. He said, man wilt is a big dude and this is a guy who played against Shaq. yeah and there's something about chamberlain's presence and persona you know maybe he wasn't as physically big as Shaq. well have
0: you ever looked at photos of him his
1: legs are like two-thirds yes. of his body like there's really never been a body like his body and his, le- his legs are like
0: up to where like his chest should be
1: and he was like a instantly champion high jumper right yeah. or, or at least qualified
0: everyone I mean. says like if you saw Wilton Russell in person, it was life altering because Russell was the same thing. Like nobody, had, he was just like a gazelle.
1: But Shaq was so much bigger that there's some great black and white footage of Russell like running down the court in high school or early college yeah. and just, yeah, these graceful long strides that he took. Yeah. he's So he, Shaq wasn't as graceful as though too, but neither had the size of Shaq. Young Shaq is, go look at go watch the YouTubes. Unintentional comedy wrinkle.
0: Um. Shaq's free throws are so bad. I'm always like, when I watch the old Laker games, I'm just kind of stunned by how awful his form is and like his and hands And when they up, miss, they missed so badly. And he'd like badly. fling it and he, like his eyes would kind of cross as he was doing it. And he was just like, you're just watching going, oh, that guy's no chance. That's never going in. And then he was so bad, he would actually cause lane violations because it was so unorthodox and he's... It was like a golfer sizing up a pup. By the time he
1: threw it, like three guys had crossed the line. It was hard to watch. Ooh, it's really bad. But i also say with Shaq, if he could make free throws, he would have been the most unfair player ever, right? Yeah, man, God decided, like, yeah, we, we got to has mess. to have some type of yeah. weakness.
0: Defining playoff moment. I'm going a little off the grid. You might disagree. But, um, God, he demolished Dikembe in 2001. And this is, is defensive the defensive player, player of the year. Of the year. Philly trades for him. This is our missing piece to beat Shaq. Now that we have Dikembe, we've got this. Shaq rolls through him. Here are his stats. Here's game by game. 44 and 20, 28 and 20, 30 and 12, 34 and 14, 29 and 13. And, and just th- and he's just dunking over him in ways where you actually, I actually remember feeling bad for Dikembe.
1: I was th- like, Dikembe's a nice guy. This is terrible. He brought a little bit of on, on himself. I forget what he said specifically. He said but some shit. He said kind of like, oh, he's not that or, or like, you know, he gets away with stuff, this, that, the other. And then after the numbers that Shaq laid on him that you just described, so finally at some point, Dikembe just goes, he is a monster. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I cannot stop him.
0: Shaq missed 36 free throws in that series. But what he did to Dikembe... And there's been a little revisionist history with that '01 one Sixers team, which is one of the reasons I like doing this podcast and I'm so excited for it. It's like it's like I ever seen nobody else. De was the defensive player of the year. He was an awesome there was and really nobody else like the, offensive. The Six man of the year.
1: Huh? Did, did they have the sixth man of the year that year too? Maybe? I can't remember. I don't know. it's funny because I remember the Lakers like like Phil Jackson tried some, you know. Psychology stuff's like, well, they're the team that has the MVP and they have the defensive player of the year. Yeah. We're yeah. so overmatched, you know, like no, nobody was buying that. Classic. Um, market corrector or market corrected. Can I have my defining moment? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. No problem. What's um, yours? The the lob from Kobe in game seven, two thousand Western Conference Ooh. Finals, which is it's also well Is that, that the
0: loudest the Lakers arena ever got
1: for you? That and the Ori shot game four against uh, against the Kings in two thousand two, um, and Shaq's stealing the ball. That I mean, not Shaq, uh,
0: Kobe the oh six game winner against the Suns. Remember that, that the playoff crazy. game? Yeah, the, yeah that, that was that was wild. I actually went and to that game. People went crazy. Maybe
1: a little more. Like that whole year, the crowd was louder. I think because the Lakers were underdogs that year, yeah. So the fans were more into it. it that might have even been louder. You know, so I, I, somewhere there's a decibel. That can have, but just the moment of it, the importance of the, the, the symbolism, because that actually didn't decide, like they had already won the game. Like that, 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 you know, like unlike the Ori shot, the Ori shot maybe was more important for a series. They had won that game already. This was like the exclamation point. But um, just everything that it symbolized. Like this was like everything that people wanted to see. Shaq and Kobe, you know, working together and what could come about when they did team up. Um, you know, and and winning that game, uh, we can get into sliding doors in a little bit but you know that that game was so important that that's the pivotal game in in the entire era of the Lakers and and I would say in the decade um but just just the symbolic and the the way the crowd erupted the personally for me I I sat where the right in front of the camera so it's one of the rare times that like my memory syncs with the the video replay there's a really cool um remember they did those playoff commercials for a while where they would like show a, a, a key moment in, in playoff history. Yeah, I and like that. And it them. starts filling in. So it starts off where you just see Kobe isolated and then you see Scottie Pippen and then you see some of the other players and then you see the fans in the back start to fill in and it's shot from the baseline. And it's really cool. Um, but, but just that moment um, and then, you know, that's clinched that the Lakers were going on to the finals. Um, the crowd was crazy. Everyone was wearing the yellow shirts that day or as much as Laker fans are going to wear the yellow shirts.
0: The only other one I was thinking of for that one, that was a good, good one. I, I, I'm with you. Um, that 01 King series, there was like, like a little buzz. Weber, that was his best year, and it was like, oh man, the Kings. Well, watch out for those guys, and they just destroyed them, and it was double barreled. Like Kobe ends the series right. with 48, right. but I think Shaq has yeah, Shaq 45, goes 40, 20, 40, 20. The first
1: oh, two games, God. and then Kobe goes off. You could argue. I don't know if it's game three or game four. Go back and look at those numbers for Kobe. That that's one of the top Kobe performances you'll ever see. Just all around monster numbers in that game. I think he's like forty-eight and fourteen, yeah, something and then like that. Just one two, you know, and again, that's the one two punch that people envision Kobe and Shaq. That was them at their best. And I'll never forget Shaq, you know, we're in the garage area afterward. He says, we sent them back to expansionism. Right, you know, right. Because remember, <laughs> everyone, thought, everyone thought Weber was going to leave as a free agent. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the Kings have been ascending. The Lakers just smacked them down, and Shaq's just reveling in it. And they were absolutely
0: unequivocally two of the best three players in the league. It was those two and Duncan. And the only time that really has happened in the last 25 years was um, Wade and LeBron that first year when they were in Miami. Wade and LeBron were two of the best yeah. guys, three guys in the league. Yeah. It was just so rare. And the crazy thing with Shaq and Kobe was, Kobe, Shaq's twenty nine, Kobe's like 21, 22.
1: He, I think he was twenty one like in two thousand. Yeah, he's 78. Yeah, something like Yeah.
0: And they're two of the best three guys, and it's like neither of them is thirty. It was like, oh my god, yeah. we're so it, screwed. It did
1: feel like it was yeah. going on for a long uh, time.
0: Market corrector, or market corrected. He's a corrector. Uh, I think he retroactively market corrected Dwight Howard. (laughs) Dwight Howard was like... Like from retirement? No, the robot sent to be better than Shaq and he was just nowhere close and Shaq's shadow hung over him the whole time and he was never as cool as Shaq. He was never as successful as Shaq. He was never as gifted as Shaq and he even like tried to call himself Superman.
1: Yeah. And Shaq just market corrected him over and over again.
0: (laughs) Half-ass internet research. Um, The only one I, I... I did everything except for Shaq earning almost $300 million in salary, not to mention all the endorsements, I was thinking like for just most successful money NBA players, he still has to be in the top four, even though the salaries have gone up, right? Well, again, he got in
1: before the max contract. He's like
0: the the first wave of, I was able to dabble into all the giant, giant numbers in the 90s, but then still bank all the big money. He never had a year where it wasn't big money.
1: You know, like he—he's in that rare group that like is continuing, you know. And you can laugh at him for the general insurance commercial, but like the Papa Johns, you know. Sent, oh and, yeah. and he's an investor, and on the board. Um. But you still see him all the time in commercials. He's done nice an. And again, a big man that you know that that never happened before. Although it's interesting because he couldn't sell shoes. People said big men don't sell shoes. He couldn't sell shoes, but people have valued him as an endorser for other products. I don't think big guys have ever sold shoes. Or right? I'm trying. To no, think. but but. I don't know why they can't sell shoes, but he can sell other stuff. Do you have any half-assed? I didn't. I I didn't even have. Let's go to what if sliding doors because we have three. This is big, yeah.
0: First of all, the Penny feud is the underrated Shaq sliding doors because if you go back and you watch the 95 Bulls Magic, which I have two of the games on my DVR, the NBA can't erase them. (laughs) That team, like Penny was amazing. 95 and 96 Penny was kind of everything you would have wanted as a Shaq companion, plus they had shooters. Horace Grant was still Horace Grant on the tail end. Did Brian Shaw. And they're in this era where they've moved the three-point line even a little bit closer. And you just sort of said, like, wow, that team's going to win five titles. And within a year, it's over.
1: I'll say this in part because here's one reason Kobe was a better fit for Shaq than Penny. Um, Penny didn't have the the dog in him that Kobe had. Well, we found that out later. Penny, at that point, is like 22. Yeah. But to me, the moment I found it out, I saw it firsthand. I'm covering that series. Game three. All right, so the Bulls win the first two games in Chicago. Okay, as expected. Game three, you're back in Orlando. The Magic have the lead for most of the most of the game. And then the third quarter, the Bulls make a run. They go up, I don't know, four or six points. Timeout Orlando. They come back out on the court, and Penny just had that hangdog look. Like, you've probably seen him with it, but... They were lost. And Rodman said something after the game. He said, we could see it in their eyes. They were done. So this is a, still a winnable game. It's still a winnable series. Right. You know, if if you just like suck it up and win this game and like Penny was done.
0: you know. So, and you go backwards, the the 1B sliding door with Penny is they could have taken Chris Webber. And we do this in the Chris Webber podcast we do. But if they just take Chris Webber and they don't do Penny in the draft picks for Chris Webber, and now you have Shaq and Chris Webber on the same team. Not only is Weber's do that career that in completely 90s. different. You could. Like
1: you couldn't do that now.
0: I actually think they really would have played nicely together because Weber could go. Such a good
1: passer. Yeah,
0: great passer who could play 15,
1: 20 feet away.
0: And that I was just, all you need.
1: You didn't need Weber to shoot threes. No. You just need him to take a 20-footer. So that was a Shaq. what if.
0: Second what if is just what if Kobe and Shaq could have ever figured it out.
1: And what does that look like?
0: I, don't, I think fundamentally I, I, I their personality only, is only, different. only one
1: more championship. Look, I mean, they, they did figure it out. And, and the, the other thing is, you know what's funny is that their style, their game wasn't incompatible because they didn't want the ball in the same place. So that's one of the reasons they were so successful. They both wanted the ball, but they wanted it in different places, which, which is key, you know. And, and some, some pairings haven't worked because both people want the ball at the same place. Shaq and Kobe wanted it in different places. So that's how they were able to work off each other.
0: There's two 1996 sliding doors. One is, what if Magic doesn't retire? Wow.
1: Oh, the second time around?
0: Yeah, ninety six. He played. He was in the playoffs that year. Yeah. There, there's a world in which he could have played with Shaq, and then the same thing that year. What if they are? What if still somebody? Only,
1: Magic's only thirty five at that point.
0: Yeah, he was pretty good in those yeah. playoff games. He would one bad game, but there's a couple where he's
1: good. He he ends on the bench as they're losing to Houston. That's how Magic's career went out.
0: It was tough. Um, but then a little bit later, they trade. For Kobe Bryant, what if the Nets just took Kobe and Shaq never has his cohort? I eventually, it just would have been like, all right, Eddie Jones, it's just us. <laughs> we got to figure this out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, neither of their careers are. So that was
0: lucky. lucky. And then the last one is what you mentioned before for my end, uh, the Blazers. If they lose that 2000 game seven, it's- and after that awesome season, they choke at home. Game seven, Blazers. Blazers go on to the finals. I'm I- not sure what happens.
1: I think... No way to be sure. That's why it's great. Great question. But I think they get one more chance at it. I think they fail and I think they get broken up and I think Shaq gets traded. So that's why that game seven to me is so pivotal. It's the difference between zero championships for that group and three. And it changes kind of the whole first half of the next decade. Right. And then who knows, you know, what ramifications, you know, if they do make a trade, maybe that winds up changing the second half of the decade as well. Um, you know, maybe Tim Duncan gets two more rings because he didn't have to go through the Lakers. Right? You know, who knows what could have happened? But um, I, I really feel like if they didn't win that championship, I just feel like they never, they never get there because that if they're not going to win it with that team, when are they going to win it? First of all, right? Like that's that's the best you have of Shaq. That's you know that that's that's the best they've ever been. It's I mean, an amazing.
0: I mean, when was the last time you watched that game? That's a good question. That game. Wow.
1: Brian Shaw hits a couple of threes. Yeah. Right. Banks, Banks that- went in.
0: Right as that game is about to be gone, yeah, like they're not—they're yeah. going to be down twenty and it's over and that's it. And then they just start kind of crawling back. The fans get into it, yeah. And the Blazers are getting good shots; they're just not going Bonzi in.
1: Bonzi Wells and—they're and, all um, shots they made the whole series. Yeah. And and Rasheed are getting all the shots. They, and then they the they last wanted. three
0: minutes, the refs kick
1: in. Kobe has that one block. Yeah, like he comes down and he's like volleyball spikes a Bonzi Wells shot, and that was kind of a defensive, great defensive play. And then there's, like, this two-minute, like, Brian Shaw makes that shot, and you're like, oh, they got a chance. And then there's, like, a couple minutes where neither team scores, and you're like, oh, the time's getting away. Like, you know, they had their chance to pounce, and they didn't do it, and then it still happens. I kind of um, like that Portland team. They, so Any more what-ifs for you? Yeah, I, I think that, that, one, that one's big. Um, if Tim Duncan doesn't get hurt in 2000, um, Tim Duncan gets hurt, Pop sits him against the Suns. They lose to the Suns. The Suns wind up playing the Lakers. Lakers win in five. Should have swept them. Um, I've kind of I I wrote about this. Um, I think those Spurs beat the Lakers if they would have met in the second. Because Robinson is still Robinson. They're they're, they're, they're the defending champions. Yeah, the Spurs are the defending champions. The Lakers still haven't figured it out. Remember, the Lakers get taken to five games by the Kings that year. Yeah, they get take. They're up three one, and they get taken to seven games by the by the um, by the Blazers. The Spurs knew what they were doing. They're the defending champs. I think they have the ability and the experience to beat the Lakers and take them out. And then same thing. Then I don't think we get any Lakers championship. The Spurs have so
0: the Spurs are like the Patriots.
1: You it's, could honestly go to six that, seasons yeah. and be like, oh, they could also win that yeah. year. Yeah, and I, I think I think and then the Spurs go back. I mean, that's the one knock on Pop and Duncan is they never went back to back, right? I think they go back to back that year. Um, but I think it really changes the Lakers, and you don't see the rise of Lakers if Tim Duncan hadn't gotten hurt. And he tried to play and Pop said, I'm concerned about his long term future. I don't want to risk his future for this one series. What a nice guy. And, and that that's a huge um what if. Kyle, how a, many how
0: many Super Bowls should the Patriots have won? Nine.
1: Nine. There you go. A smaller one. What if Robert Ory doesn't toss the towel in Danny Ainge's face in Phoenix and doesn't get traded to the Lakers? Oh, that's a great one. I don't I don't think it's as dramatic as like that Portland game seven. Um, but clearly you don't have game game four shot against the Kings, right? Um, By the way, I went to that game. You're at the game? And saw the old. towel throw. Oh, the, the, the towel toss game. I thought game four against the Kings. Yeah, it Robert was in Orie Boston. Shot. It was in Boston? Yeah. Wow. For some reason, yeah. I thought it was in Phoenix. But, and it's funny because Robert Ory says that's the one thing he regrets. I asked him near the end of his career, what do you regret? He said he wishes he hadn't done that. But then he says, well, still kind of worked out for me though. you know. So like even when he messes up, that's kind of the blessed, charmed life that Robert Ory leads. Even his biggest mistake led to him getting three more rings. It was pretty awful. Quick hot take. Robert Ory Robert has done more for LA sports fans than Clayton Kershaw. Boom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, Where's the lie?
0: Three more categories. Post-retirement, barkley or hondo That means after the retirement, did you stay in the limelight and do some stuff? Or did you fade away and now people forget how great you are?
1: Barkley. Yeah. No question. Like he's literally on the set with Barkley. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I'm actually going underrated. A little bit. Even though I have him 13th, which is actually seems kind of low. I think people would have thought he's top 10, I, but I think I, 13's fair. I think when people have arguments about whether he could have been as successful
1: in today's basketball,
0: I'm like, all right, he was underrated because he would have destroyed everybody. Get the fuck out of here.
1: I think a problem and a reason why he's going to continue to be underrated for a long time is that there's no one to compare to him. So like, you know, the fact that we don't we're not having debate of so-and-so versus Shaq. you know so like because there are no centers after him. It doesn't keep his memory alive, you know? And so, like, so there's no one to say, like, well, I think this guy is as good as Shaq or better than Shaq. And you say, no, 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 wait a minute. Let me bring you either these stats or these highlights to show you just how good Shaq was. So he's going to become more underrated the further we get away from him because the game is going in a completely different place.
0: And, yeah, and to add to that, there will never be another Shaq because another Shaq would be 25 feet from the basket shooting threes. Yeah. And would not be working all the footwork stuff. And so I have him 13th final ranking. Any uh any last words? We didn't really talk about the Miami stuff that much, but he won a title. That, that's... He was lucky. I think I think the uh the officials and just how weird that series was. I I'll never feel totally right about the result of that series, but it probably evened out. Four was the right number of titles for him. Probably could have gotten a
1: six. Should we talk about Phoenix, Shaq? Yeah. That's kind of a disappointment, you know, because that, that was a time, you know, you bring him to a good team. Um, had, had, had the league changed too much by then? I, I just don't think he was as dominant.
0: But, you know, they came closer to beating the Spurs that year than I think people remember. That game one was like one of the great games of that decade. Yeah, And Duncan hits a three to save it. And it was one of those games you knew at some point whoever wins this game is going to win the series. If they had gotten through them. You know, that 08, the, the Lakers weren't quite ready yet. The Rockets made brought the Lakers to a game seven. There's a path where that team could have made the finals.
1: Do you count that as Duncan versus Shaq? Or is Shaq two past his prime? Oh, I count it as okay. a Duncan guy. Okay. So I take all the Duncan
0: reasons. wins I could get, but I love Shaq two. Uh, Jay Adani, that was awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, that was the Book of Basketball pod.